Good morning. I like that last song. I'm thankful to Dave. Uh, the, the title of the sermon this morning is Amazing Grace. So I texted Dave. I was like, can we fit that in there? Can we fit that song in there? And then he encouraged me extra special by having asking my wife to be a part singer up there. So it was just a, just a nice surprise to sing Amazing Grace this morning. Thank you, Dave, for that. Uh, I wanted to start off and, and ask you guys a question or get you to think about something. Something that I think we all do is we bargain with God. I don't know if you've ever done that, but, but normally bargaining with God, it goes something like this. God, if you will do this, I promise to never do this. Or I promise to always do this. So you're like, you're driving home from a bad decision that you just made and you're talking to God. God, if you get me out of this situation, I promise to never go down that street again. Or God, if you just give me an A, I promise I will never procrastinate on my studying again. Or God, if you just keep my parents from finding out what I did last night with my friends, I promise I won't hang out with him anymore. Or God, if you clean up the mess that I made at work, I promise to be a better employee. Or you keep my spouse from finding out the truth about this situation, I promise to never go back down that path. We say that stuff like, God, I promise. You know, and I'll I'll go to church. I'll serve in Kids Kingdom every rotation. I'll do, I'll give the best toy a toy drive. I'll, I'll do the hardest labor job at Carousel Ranch. God, if you'll just get me out of this situation. I mean, even people that don't believe in God do this. They look, they're like, all right, if you're up there, to whom it may concern... If you just show yourself to me, if you do something, okay, I, then I'll go to church. You know, so we all do that. I mean, you guys, y'all are laughing, y'all are nodding your head. You guys all do this, right? I'm not the only one that's bargained with God. The other side of it is we never keep up our end of the bargain. I mean, right? We, we bargain with God, but we, you know, we're like, oh, gosh, I got out of that situation. Thank you, God. That was awesome. Within a week, we're back in there. We're back in that same situation. We never keep up our end of the bargain. And you know, there's, there's two observations that I, you can make from someone that bargains with God. These aren't points, they're just observations. And number one is, you have awesome faith. To ask God questions like that, you must have really good faith. I mean, to, to bargain with God like that's like, man, I know, God, you're going to get me out of this situation. You know, Lord, I only studied for one chapter. I know it's a six-chapter test. I only studied one chapter. And uh, so, God, I, I know that you can work and make all the test questions on that one chapter. That's, that takes some faith to ask God a question like that. Or the other observation is you think you have something that God wants. You know, and I think here's something that we need to know is not God doesn't just want something from you, but God wants something for you. He doesn't just want something from you, but he wants something for you. And that's why this morning we're going to talk about amazing grace and the response that you have to that grace. You know, the easiest definition I can think of grace is unmerited favor. You know, it's you're getting something for nothing. When we talk about grace, it's all about the person that's dispensing this, the grace. It's never about the person that's receiving the grace. 
I was fired up. This past Friday night, we had a lot of people at our little sports night with the college ministry and the singles ministry. I had people show up from another ministry that I wasn't expecting. Uh, You know, I invited another ministry from Antelope Valley. I don't know. We must have had like 80 people, 80 or 90 people there. And then uh, we had a family group, the the Felici family group, as well as the Castaic group. They said, you know, we want to come and serve you guys. We want to come and give you some food, some pizza, some desserts. It was awesome. But it was it was it was their grace that we got to benefit from. None of us walked away saying, man, I'm so awesome that the Felici family group wanted to feed me. <laughs> no, they said, no, we walked away saying they're so awesome because they wanted to feed us. But that's an illustration of grace. You know, grace with grace, all the cost, all the Every, all the costs are picked up by the giver. They're not picked up by the receiver. And grace is the ultimate motivation, if you allow it to be. And it's also the component that separates Christianity from all the other religions. Because it's not about what you can do. It's about what God has done. You know, so this morning... We're going to talk about God's amazing grace. Be turning into your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, because I feel like we get a great picture of God's grace here. Before we go, before we actually read, let's pray. God, we're uh, so grateful just to be here with you and uh, just be able to, like, worship and also to dig deep into your word, Lord. And I pray that as we're reading and as I'm reading, Lord, that you take me away, that you take me out of this equation, that it's you that comes out. And, Lord, that you help us all to connect with your amazing grace. So Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to be in verse 1. Now, it's always important, this is just good Bible study things, tips to know, is like, who wrote it and who's the audience? So number one, the person that wrote this is Paul. The audience is the church in Ephesus. So Paul is writing this letter to a church or a group of people that have already made the commitment to follow Christ. That's who he's writing this to. And then he starts off in chapter 2, verse 1. He's going to talk about amazing grace, but he has to talk about something else before he talks about grace. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. I mean, don't you just love it when somebody reminds you of how bad you were? Don't you just love that? Oh my gosh, Paul, thank you. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. You know, sometimes... You just need to be reminded of where you were. And it doesn't matter if you were baptized 25 years ago, 5 years ago, 5 minutes ago, last week like we had a couple, or in a couple hours. It doesn't matter. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of where we were at. And that's the question is like, do you know or are you in touch with how lost you were? Or maybe for some of you it's how lost you are. We need to take an honest look at ourselves before we can really understand grace, before we can fully grasp grace. We need to understand, we need to take an honest look and realize how lost 
we either are or how lost we were. Now, sometimes as Christians, we lose touch with grace. And the reason is is because uh, I think we get focused on certain sins. And, And that just turns into just a miserable existence. Because what happens is you end up Coming, you, you start, you do, you go get involved in that sin, but while you're getting involved in that sin, you feel guilty because you have the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart. And so you're not completely happy in your sin, but then you come to church and you're, you're, you're here, you're worshiping, but you have this sin tugging on your heart as well. And so you're not completely happy here in church. And that's what happens sometimes to us. You know, when I saw an illustration actually done by uh, one of the single guys, he's actually not here. He's uh, hiking across the country right now, Chris Bradshaw. But he did an illustration. It really hit me a few years ago, and I wanted to do it for you guys this morning just to illustrate that point. You know, I have a couple of my favorite drinks. I've got lemonade. You know, and I like, I like lemonade. I'm from the South. We... We drink a lot of lemonade. And coffee. Those Starbucks coffees. You guys know what I'm talking about? Those Frappuccinos. You guys like those? Y'all ever had them? You got to shake it before you drink it. You know what? I love coffee. Normally I don't drink it like this. I drink it black. But for the illustration... I love coffee. And this is what we do. I love lemonade. I love coffee. You say, like, I love Jesus. I love sin. You're like, I love you, Lord. I smoke pot. And I think I'm going to read my Bible today. Mm, Naked girls on the internet. I love that, brother. (laughs) I hate her. That's what we do. And we go back and forth and back and forth. And and sometimes, you know, we wonder, like, why am I miserable? And you're like, Aaron, that's not me. You know, I love Jesus. And you're like, and I'm like, yeah, but maybe there's that one sin that you just don't don't want to get rid of. That one sin that you don't want to get rid of. So you do this. Oh, that's nasty. I mean, it's sickening. But guys, that's what, that's what some of us are doing here today. It's just miserable living. You're not happy at church. You're not happy in the world. You're just miserable. 
You know, for us, you're like, Aaron, that's not encouraging. I thought you were going to talk about grace this morning. That is not encouraging. It's not encouraging. Sin is never encouraging. But before we get in touch with the grace, we need to take an honest look at ourselves. Sin is never encouraging. I'm going to close these up because I might knock them over. So anyways, we're moving on. We get to the good part next. Because Paul, you know, he talks about, you know, he reminds him, you were here. And then in verse 4, he says this. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And I love this because Paul says, you were dead. You were lost. The cost of your sin was death. And he says, but, but God, because of God's great love for us, because of the mercy that just so richly flows through him, he made us alive with Christ. It's not about us. It's about God. It's like when you were lost, when you were doomed, when you were making those bad decisions or having those evil thoughts, all of those things that merit death, God says, I'm going to treat you the exact opposite of what you deserve. And we can ask God, why, why do you care? Why, did you do, why would you do something like that? Why do you answer my prayers or give me a second chance? What did I do to deserve that? And God says, it's not about you. It's because of my great love that I do this. It's about me. It's about my great love. And, and we can wrestle with this sometimes, because of, especially because of the way the society that we live in today. Where it's all about, like, if you don't work, you don't get paid. If you don't study... You don't pass. If you don't discipline your children, they run wild. Even sometimes when you do discipline your children. But at least you have an excuse if you discipline them. But guys, it's why we don't have to negotiate or bargain with God. Because he doesn't just want something from you. He wants something for you. And that's his amazing grace. I want to read uh, this same scripture from the message version. I don't... Say you, I don't you know, tell people to read the message version of the Bible all the time because um, it's just not an accurate version. But it's a fun, sometimes it's fun just to hear the words that it says. So we're just going to read it really quick. It's more like poetry to me. But y'all just listen up. This is what the message says about this section of Scripture. It says, It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living... Tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us were in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. 
And that's the picture of grace. It says God, God's like, I don't want anything. I don't just want something from you, but I want something for you. And you're like, well, Aaron, you said God wants something from me. So what is that? Paul goes on in Ephesians chapter 2. You guys, we're going to pick it up back in verse 8. or Verse 8. What is it that God actually wants from us? It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, like when I read this scripture, sometimes I get sad by it because a lot of people use this scripture to prove a point that grace, that we are saved by grace. And so all we have to do is say a prayer, put some money in a bucket, and then we stamped our ticket to heaven. That's what some people think. And Paul is not saying that here. Yes, we are absolutely saved by grace. And yes, without God's love and without this sacrifice that Jesus made, there is no possible way for us to get to heaven. There's no amount of work that we can do or good deeds that can be done to get us there. But we have to remember, Paul isn't making a theological argument here about salvation. Remember who he's talking to. He's talking to a group of men and women who are already Christians, who already understand what it means to be a Christian and what it takes to become a Christian. He's not telling them how to become a Christian. He's telling them and reminding them how to live their life as Christians. He's saying, you used to live this way. You've got to stay connected to the grace. And because of that grace, it should motivate you to do some good works that God has prepared for you. That's what he's saying. That's the whole point of grace. It's not just what God does, but it's like, what are you going to do with it? And that's what he's asking. And guys, this message runs not just through the book of Ephesians, but it also is the message that runs through the entire Bible. Turn over to uh, Romans chapter 5. Hope you guys oiled your Bibles up. We're going to read like three scriptures really fast. Romans chapter 5. If you don't have your Bible, just write it down and uh, listen, and you can refer to it later. Verse 6, he says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled for when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Do you get that? He's saying, we are saved by grace. It's it's Christ who reconciled us. But then response should be rejoicing, should be praising 
You know, we studied joy at the beginning of this year. We spent 40 days studying out joy. How are you doing in that? Do you still have a joyful response to the cross, to the, to the grace that God has given us? Do you still have that same type of response? Or do you feel burdened by it, like it's a list of I have to's? Paul's like, Paul wrote this also, by the way. Paul's saying, we need to have a, we need to rejoice in this grace that we have. Go to Titus chapter 2. Paul wrote this one as well. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to, go to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. He's saying that the grace of God should teach us to say no to ungodliness. So there is a response to the grace. What about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15? Paul is saying, For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I work harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. Paul is saying, I didn't even deserve to be an apostle. It is by the grace of God that I became an apostle. He was like, I was persecuting the church. I was killing people. I was going against the church, and God decided to use me. And he's saying, it's that grace that works so powerfully in me. It's not without effect. You know, the question this morning is, what effect does God's grace have on you? Is it your motivator? Is it your why? This is why I do what I do. Because of God's grace. You see, that the, the why behind God's love, behind God's grace is his love. God says, I have grace on you, not because you deserve it, because I love you. That's the why. But what's the why behind your actions? I hope that it's God's grace, God's grace, motivated by love. You see, God's grace, it demands a response from every single one of us. John 14, verse 15 Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. I think it's the only appropriate response to the love and grace of God to live righteous lives, to live, to, to give up the sin that's stopping us, to stop being lazy, to stop being hypocritical, to stop blaming other people, to stop being selfish, or to stop accepting sin in our lives. The only appropriate response is to obey 
what God has commanded for us, to do the good works that he has laid out for us. I ask, what is your why? And if it isn't grace, I'm afraid that it probably won't last. Because the grace of God is what's going to last through our entire lives. Another question you might want to ask yourself is like, what standard will I choose to use to determine where I stand with God? What standard will I choose to use to determine where I stand with God? You can, it's, it's what I do for me, or what do you do for you, or what God has done for you. What standard will you choose to use to determine where you stand with God? See, all the things that we do as Christians are a response to what God has done. And we need to be connected with that. It's like, why do we forgive? Because he forgave us. Why do we love? Because he loved us. Why do we give? Because he gave the best gift. Why do we serve? Because he served us. Why do we help one another? Because he helped us. It's all a response to what God has done for us. Even in a Christian marriage, I'm learning this, in a Christian marriage, it's about two people getting together to treat each other the way God treated them. That's what it is. Two people getting together to treat each other the way God treated them, and then they argue about it. It's really what happens. It's like, no, I'll make breakfast. No, you make breakfast. Or no, I'll make breakfast. No, I'll make breakfast. No, I'll make breakfast. Do I got time? Yeah, I got time. A little quick little story about Lashana and I that was really funny. We love uh, we love hot wings. We love going to um, Wingstop, and um, you know we get the same thing. I know exactly her order. She knows my order, and I would go get uh, hot wings, bring them home, and then um, I divide them up, and we sit down and eat. And I would always give Lashana the drumsticks because I think the drumsticks are the best. There, there, there's, I just, there's more meat on there. And I always give her the drumsticks. And, you know, this happened for about three years. Okay. And then finally, this was about a year ago that I asked her, I was like, which, do you, is there one that you like more? And she's like, actually, I like the wings more. And I was like, really? I've been giving you the drumsticks this whole time. And it was all motivated by love, and she would do the same thing to me, which is even funnier. She'd give me the, the, the wings because she thought those were the best, and so that's what she would give me. And, you know, that's just, that's just Christian marriage. It's like you're trying to give the other person the best, and sometimes it's like, oh, wow. You know, like it, you know, it works out in your favor. Now when we go to Wingstop, I get the drumsticks, she gets the wings, and we're both very happy. <laughs> but I ask you this morning, what is your why? Are you tapped in to the grace of God? Is that, is that what's motivating you? You know, as cl- in, in closing, I want to give you guys a challenge. The entire church, I want to challenge the church to do something. I want you guys to have a discussion. We're not going to break up into discussion groups, but when you leave here in the car with the person that invited you out, you know, around, even around the dinner, dinner table, I want you to discuss something. What is my pushback to God's grace? 
Like, what do I not get about God's grace? Because I know that when we talk about grace, you know, the, there's a lot of questions get, that get raised because we all have a different past experience. And a lot of times, the way we view grace is based on a past experience that we have. Maybe it was somebody that was very loving and forgiving or somebody that wasn't loving and forgiving. So sometimes our view of God's grace can be distorted. And I want to challenge you to talk about it. Like here, you know, I like the concept of grace, but here's what I don't get about grace. I don't understand this part. And I want to challenge everyone, when you leave here today, spark that conversation. It's like, what should I do with this grace that God has given me? And I want to challenge you not just to discuss it, but to, to dig deep, to study out the scriptures and see what Jesus had to say about the grace of God, what Paul and, and the others had to say about the grace of God. And the goal would be that you have a biblical view of God's amazing grace. Thank you, guys. Let's stand. We're going to close in one final song.